So you survived the storm. At the end of this year, I think I'm going to make a list of the things that we you survived, survived in yeah. 2018. Which, you know, I want to be careful about because there are people who did not survive. Well, yeah. and This hurricane. And total devastation. Absolutely. On the coast, places that you and I both love. Yeah. Places I grew up going. Right. I had a dear friend whose grandmother totally lost her mm. coastal home and went and the only thing she found where her house was was a base that she wanted yeah like it is so it's the most we are both until i moved to thomasville lifelong Mm -hmm. floridians right it's the worst storm i've ever seen up close in person yeah in 2004 Mm -hmm. the year of four hurricanes Mm -hmm. um in like mainland florida um we were out of power for two weeks which um, one was one that? Of those. Do you know? Um, it was Ivan or Jean. Ivan was terrible, but I think too there are some obviously that hit different Francis, coasts. One of those. It was Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. Okay. I remember being out of power forever. Um, I had to go back to school before our power was back, and they called like in the morning, like, "Hey, we're having school today," and I was like, "What? Why? I'm 14." Well, and I don't know if people understand. It's still okay. And look, somebody posted. I understand we talk about weather all the time. Yeah, no, we do. This is a weather podcast (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. But it is still really hot here. Yeah. And so so no air. And I imagine where you you grew up in South Florida, like no air at school Mm. is miserable. School had power. Oh, okay. That was actually kind of a relief that time. But I don't know. Something, I don't know. Weather is different everywhere, right? Like that's the point of weather. (laughs) Yes. Um, when the power is out from a hurricane, it's not just that like your house does not have power and it's inconvenient. It's that everywhere doesn't have power. Right. There's no food. Yeah. There's no gas. There's no water. I asked if you, you haven't stocked up, like oh, you're and, done. Well, and I asked Jordan, I was like, how much weight do you think we gained this week from just eating oh, utter crap? We talked about hurricane weight too. <laughs> um, we ended up driving to Perry. Oh. An hour from Tallahassee. Perry's where I met Paris Hilton. (laughs) (laughs) That gas station. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. But we got McDonald's in Perry. Okay. Because that's what was open. Because there's nothing open. Yeah. Tallahassee, Um, I think, it was just so weird. And it's the trees. It is the trees. Exactly. Um, Because I think Tallahassee structurally was pretty okay. Yes. Um, But Tallahassee is carved out of trees. Yes. Out of a literal forest. (laughs) Um, and they all fall down. Yeah, and look, it's beautiful. What uh-huh. makes Tallahassee beautiful mm-hmm. is also its down, its downfall. Which that's a that's a Shakespearean flaw, yeah. right? Yes, and Thomasville's the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. the first thing Jordan's granddad asked was, "Is the Big Oak okay?" Oh, it is. Everybody, okay, it's good. Here. I'm really glad to hear that. It's here, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's the trees that were totally. My parents' house had ten trees down, and just and, and there's look, some big trees over there. Yeah, and. I went over there. They are lucky that it yeah. did not. They did not fall in their yeah. house. Like no. it's just you couldn't get through Tal- the city of Tallahassee or no. Thomasville. We drove around, and Jordan and I were like, "So this is what the apocalypse will look like." It's what it seems like. Yes, and remember when I took when we took this trip um, to Alabama, Mississippi. Yes. I think I said on this podcast one thing Jordan and I kept talking mm-hmm. about was. The South will survive the apocalypse because they're already living it. Uh-huh. That's what this felt like. <laughs> like if we like we we are made of tough stuff. Because the day after the hurricane, Jordan and I like drove around. Mm. It looked terrible. Yeah. But literally, 
our neighbors, no power. Yeah. Our neighbors were like already out cleaning up their yards. Yeah. Like there was no recovery period. People just got to right. work. Well, and I live in an apartment complex, which is different. So yeah. I have many, many neighbors. Yes. Um, and just some of them have generators, which is obnoxious yes. in an apartment complex. That shouldn't happen. You yeah. shouldn't be allowed to do that. Also yeah. unsafe. <laughs> They're supposed to be 20 feet out from your house yeah. and they just have it like on their screen porch. That's nuts to me. I think so too. Um, it's insane. Luckily, the hurricane did bring cooler weather. For two days. For two days. <laughs> Only for two days, but they were the two days that I needed it. Yes, so it was I could beautiful. open the window. And I will say, maybe even by the time this podcast episode airs, I think it actually is supposed to get cooler. Ooh. Yeah, for real. Okay. So. Look forward to an episode in two weeks and we start talking about how it's not so terribly hot anymore. I just did not realize. Somebody literally Oh, did it's like, every episode, Annie. I know, but I didn't realize it. Posted like her favorite, the list of her favorite podcasts. I think it was Instagrammer Erin Smith, and like I clicked her link, and it was like Annie and Chris have great rapport, whatever, uh-huh. and they always talk about books and how hot it is in the <laughs> South. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's gonna be our claim to fame. That I mean, honestly, that should be our new tagline: books, book, small, small business, business, and how hot it is in the South. <laughs> yes. Welcome to episode 193 of From Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and this is a podcast about books, small business, and how hot it is in the South. (laughs) And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Which will be more beautiful when it is not 100 degrees in October. Yeah. It's going to be great because Halloween is going to happen. Halloween's going to be fun. And the great. children will come trick-or-treating mm-hmm. down the streets. And then we will remember why we live here. Yes. Well, I will remember yes. why, why I live you here. live here. <laughs> um, but I live in this region. That's right. And it'll be similar, I'm sure. Yes. Um, Do you get, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is a tangent. Yeah. Do you pass out candy in an apartment complex? No. There are children in mine. Yeah. Um, it's a very outdoor complex. Yeah. Like, as you've seen, it's not like hallways or anything. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of kids, but I've never had a trick-or-treater. That's sad. Yeah, it is. That's something that... You know those little um, landmark moments that make you feel like an adult? Yeah. Passing out candy. Yes. Gotta be one of them. It is. Mm. For sure. I'll I, get there. I feel like an adult every October 31st. Once a year. Well, <laughs> Halloween comes, but once a year. Although ABC Family, which is now Freeform, is doing 31 days of Halloween this year instead of 13. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody, I'm sorry, somebody commented on Instagram that they read... Sabrina. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was so great. And gave you credit for it. They tagged you. They tagged me. No, we had a fun comment exchange about it. I was like, wait a minute. They tagged you because they um, direct messaged me and I was like, oh, I can't wait to tell Chris this because... Yeah, I have not read those. Right. But no, they're I, super good. Yeah, I was totally and, intrigued. And definitely scary. Yes. And I was glad that she said that. Yeah. Um, so good job. Yeah, and thank you for listening to us when we have recommendations. That's a lot of fun. It's very gratifying. Yeah, and for tagging us when you read mm-hmm. them. That's fun. All right. Also, I got like a hundred new followers after I talked about getting engaged. It's amazing. It was really weird. Putting a ring on it. Good for business. Turns out... <laughs> In fact, can we talk about, my brother came home ever so briefly to help my parents 
clear their yard from the mm-hmm. storm. And I teased him when mm-hmm. he got home. I was like, where's your ring? And I, which is a very old man joke and I am sorry about yeah. it. But you walked in today and I keep looking at your hand and then it's like, why? No man wears an engagement ring. I know one man who does. Really? Yeah. Oh, and interesting. Like, I like it in concept. Yes. Um, it because is... you're betrothed to one another. Exactly. Exactly. I get it. But also it's weird. Well, it is weird because... Because well, nobody else does Well, it. and Jordan Jones would not want to wear two rings on his finger. Oh, sure. yeah. No, I don't want an engagement ring. Yeah. And a wedding band. Yeah. No. no. Terrible. I don't particularly want to wear any ring because I, I hate jewelry. Yeah. Jordan did a too. Lot. But he wears his and I am grateful. I have a freckle on this finger though. And I just feel like that should count. Just get yourself a tattoo. Ugh. <laughs> oh, please get matching tattoos. Oh, no. Anyway, okay. this week, we're here to talk about critically underappreciated books, which can mean one of two things. Mm-hmm. I think this can mean books that critics didn't love maybe as much as we did. Mm-hmm. But also, let's talk about some critically overappreciated books. Yeah, and could we briefly, I don't, I hope this isn't a tangent, but I would like to talk about, I was, when I was making my list mm-hmm. for this, I really think it's interesting the unspoken, or maybe it's spoken, designation between literary fiction oh, yeah. and like commercial fiction. Yeah. And how I never knew as a reader that that was kind of a line mm-hmm. um, until I entered Book World. Right. I think because of Bookstagram and things, people are more aware right. of it maybe than I was. And it's this weird line that is essentially is it written well? Yes. Then it's literary fiction, which is classist right. and elitist and terrible. Well, and. and Often incorrect. Yeah. Like there's some really well written commercial fiction. There really is. And so and but then I think there's this there's this population of people who won't read literary fiction. And then there's a population of people who won't read commercial fiction. And it's interesting. And and for different reasons. Yes. Often. Um, people who won't read commercial fiction think they're too good for it. Yeah. And people who won't read literary fiction think they're not smart enough to understand it. Yes. Which is not true. Which is not true. Not true at all. Please yes. give it a try because yeah. it's not it's not that. No, not at all. And <laughs> not as if... not as a genre because it's not a genre. Right. It's not even a marketing thing like YA. It's an imagined line that doesn't exist. But exactly. And like when I was a reader pre-bookshelf, yeah. I didn't know that line right. existed. Right. Now mm-hmm. I do know that line exists. And sometimes, I mean, yeah, you've got like your, for example, your James Patterson's, your Clark right, Cussler's, right. your people who are churning out like... Your really commercial fiction. Yeah, like two to three books a year. Mm-hmm. Often, I mean, James Patterson probably isn't even writing all No, he goes writes for sure. Like, you know what I mean? That's different than even a ton of French, who right. I think surely probably falls in that commercial fiction. Commercial fiction vein, but is still getting best of year end. Yeah. And, you know, and all that by the press. way... Everybody's capable of Mm -hmm. reading that and enjoying that. Absolutely. You might decide it's not for you. But I just think it's an interesting line that the book world has kind of drawn. Right. And it's that idea that like if it's an important book, then it must be kind of a boring book. Yes. Um, And I think a lot of these books that we're going to talk about today, or at least some of the ones in the awards circuit, are that kind of book. Yeah. That like might be a little too self-important. Sometimes. Sometimes I certainly think that's true. And often when like the National Book Award list comes out, I will be pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. that I've read several. Right. And then this year the list came out and I've read zero. It was zero, guys. I've read zero of them. And that's okay. It's okay. I think it's fine. I, I do too. There are a couple that I really do want to read. There are two on my list in particular 
um, that were nominated right. Florida mm-hmm. and the great believers. And I've talked a lot about Florida yes. with people who've read it. And so like, I feel like I've read it. That's how I feel. Although I have it myself. But that's a dangerous part. It really is. is. It dangerous? That's an interesting part of working mm-hmm. in books is that so many people read Florida and loved it that I felt like Oh yeah. I'll get to it because mm-hmm. I like Lauren Groff a lot, but also I've got to read these other things that other people didn't read. And I know a few particular plots and stories that like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, but I, I could talk about it. Right. But I haven't moved it to the top of right. the list yet. Um, so when did the national book award finalists come out? They came out, Recent, I think in the middle, recently. I think in the middle of the hurricane. That makes sense. Um, and that so three days I didn't have power <laughs> or I didn't mention this. I didn't have cell data no we didn't either for three days and look let me tell you it's scary to not be able to track a storm mm-hmm. when you're relaxed jordan was like we're getting a weather radio like because <laughs> because we were we were totally without cell service yeah. and it's not like poor me i couldn't scroll instagram it's like no we it's couldn't. like I, I needed to look things up yes um weirdly i had phone service mm-hmm. and texts came through and facebook messages came through but i could not load any other app that's weird. Yeah. I couldn't send texts. It was bizarre. It was really strange. So the finalists for fiction were A Lucky Man, mm-hmm. Florida, mm-hmm. Where the Dead Sit Talking, The Great Believers. And The Friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have not read any of those <laughs> either. Um, Which kind of inspired this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the finalists for nonfiction included The Indian World of George Washington, American Eden, Heartland, The New Negro, and we the corporations. You notice that every one of those nonfiction books has a colon in its title and then a subtitle? Yeah, lengthy. That's interesting. Last year, you know what, too? I like the National Book Award. I really yeah. do. Um, it's one of the better ones. But I really love when the New York Times puts out their best of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their lists are really kind of wide ranging. Yeah. Now, sometimes I disagree with their critics. Um, sure. But I really like, I feel like their list is so large Mm -hmm. that they wind up being able to encompass a lot more. Um, The Pulitzer is the one I often have a hardest time with. Yeah. The Pulitzer has the reputation for those heady books that like maybe are too much. Right. I don't know. Um, But not always. Not always. And I will say looking back when we pulled up National Book Award finalists Mm -hmm. from previous years, I wound up realizing, oh, I actually like these a lot. Yeah. So I think it's a good list to look Nash at. Book Award's good. Man Booker is also usually pretty good. Yeah, and I don't keep up with that one yeah. as much. But um, So what are some of these books? So books that I think are critically underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Like critics didn't necessarily love them, but I did. Mm-hmm. The first one I want to talk about, because it was like eviscerated yeah. in the New York Times, is Fire Sermon. Mm, um, which you love. I love, and I stand by it. Yeah. But I remember reading it as an ARC. Mm-hmm. And then loving it, raving about it everywhere. And then it released, and the New York Times review, like the review in the New York Times was terrible. Oh, no. And I thought, like, it makes you second-guess your taste a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because I have said many times, when you're reading ARCs, you're reading in a vacuum. Like, sometimes I don't know how I feel about something, because I'm like, wait... Wait, did I like this? I can't tell. And it's just other people with like positive emojis on Edelweiss who have read your book. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So I... um, I wound up really still loving and standing by Fire Sermon, and I was really shocked that mm-hmm. critics didn't because I, it felt like the kind of book that would appeal to award 
to award lists and to and to people making those lists. It was very literary, I yeah. thought, very poetically mm-hmm. written. And uh, challenging. Challenging, great subject matter about fidelity, infidelity, faith, um, reason. It tackled some really great subjects mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way. And I'm still a little bit stunned that I don't think it got the praise it deserved. Yeah. Um, and, and was maybe raved about by me. <laughs> But right. but then I didn't really see it uh-huh. in places I really thought it belonged. I thought it really did belong among award-winning titles. No, that's too bad. It really is. Um, and look, it's not for. That's a book we've talked about at length. It's not for everybody. Um, it's it's um, certainly R-rated rather yeah. than PG PG thirteen. Um, but again, to me, it felt like a book that really would appeal to that literary crowd, but also still readable for a more commercial uh, fiction fan. Right. So that was one of the first books that came to mind. Um, Yeah. What Uh, else? Another one I thought of that we've talked about on the podcast is Difficult Women. Yeah, which I've read. Yeah. um, And you guys did a love it or loathe it about it. Yes. Um, It's a difficult book. It is. Um, It's a mixed book. Do you think... Yes. So... (laughs) Do you think, though... It was shocking to me that that wouldn't be appealing yeah. as an award-winning novel, or award-winning collection. Yeah, it's a short story collection. Um, I don't remember who said this to me, but it was somebody who reads a lot who conjectured that Roxanne Gay is a very talented writer, mm-hmm. but she writes so much and constantly yeah, and just churns it out. She's got she new really books does. all the time. Yeah. She writes so quickly that like obviously... Some of these stories haven't had time to sit okay. and become the best versions of themselves uh-huh. through. Oh, that's an interesting process point. of workshopping or whatever, um, which like I'm persuaded by. I don't know that that's the case. Yeah. Um, she could have been sitting on these for years, and I did enjoy a lot of them. I mean, look, I think I talked about this on the podcast episode we did about the book. I found it to be extremely difficult to read. Yeah. Um, but again. I guess just like Firestorm, it had some subject matter that was really mm-hmm. difficult and meaty. Yeah. To me, that's when I look at Pulitzer lists and National Book Award lists and Man Booker lists, that's sometimes they're a common difficult. denominator. Right. Yeah, like they're difficult, kind mm-hmm. of tricky subject matter. And so Difficult Women is one of those, I didn't love every story. Mm-hmm. I hesitated to say I loved it at all mm-hmm. um, because some of it was so challenging Yeah, for you me. guys were all like, or on yes. that one. <laughs> yeah, um, but... I'm a little bit stunned that it didn't get more yeah. com- um, critical re- uh, yeah. kind of recommendations. Not a lot of awards. Yeah. And I stopped hearing about it. Yes. Three weeks after release. Yes. Yeah. But I wonder, that's an interesting point your friend made, because she does churn them out, man. She because really does. When was Hunger announced? Yeah. Like right after yes. Difficult Women came out, it like the barely, next month. It barely gives a publishing marketing team the time to like... Right push it and put it up for awards. And she edited that collection that came out too. Recently. um, Very recently. That came out between Difficult Women and Hunger. Yeah. Um, She had a lot of books coming out and maybe this is just the one that didn't get the press. Yeah. Um, Worth reading though. Really? At least worth worth flipping through. I was about to say, at least worth looking through it and reading a couple of the stories for sure. Definitely. Um, Another one on here that did get internet press at least mm-hmm. but i haven't seen it nominated for any awards was homegoing yeah that's one of those to me that really straddles the line mm-hmm. between commercial and yeah. literary um i think i would almost 
put it together with an American marriage. Mm -hmm. What I mean is these are books that I think are really appealing to book clubs. Right. My book club read Homegoing, and it's one of the best conversations we ever had mm -hmm. about a book because it is intense. It's right. a multi-generational, like it's a long game. Like she is playing a long game with this story. Right. But I am stunned that then when I look it up, because to me, I thought, oh, I'm sure this was a National Book Award finalist. Nope. And it wasn't. Mm -mm. And I... When you look back at past years, I also sometimes wonder, especially for the National Book Award finalists, if they're almost picking a couple of people of color, mm. like, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. like, it's like they're trying to yeah. not have too many of the same type of book. Right. And I think that's sometimes a disservice. It is. Because those are, what if that's the best book? It can't right. help that there are two others with similar subject right. matter. Um, so I wonder if Homegoing came out, I'd, I'd need to look it up, but I think it did come out around the same time as... Um, Underground Railroads, yes. Sing Unburied Saint, like uh -huh. those types of books. And I wonder if, unfortunately, it just got overshadowed. Yeah, which is terrible. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. Um, <laughs> so bad. Like, let's let's not mince words here. Like, that's a bad practice. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening. Sure. But sometimes I do look at those lists but and But one could easily conclude that. Yeah. 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 Um, the appearance of wrongdoing, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Something we can take from Paul. <laughs> oh, Bible humor. <laughs> um, but I do think this is a book that is hard to read. Again, mm -hmm. like Difficult Women, maybe in that the it's not even that the prose is difficult. As I recall, the prose is really, really easy to read. Mm -hmm. But but what you're reading about and the stories right. you're reading is hard. Um, and there's like a family tree at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So there's some... It, and that'll turn some people yeah. off. Like, oh, this is too complicated. But, but guys, you know what? One of my great books professors told me, and I don't know if you would agree or disagree with it, but over the years I have found it to be a helpful practice. He would frequently tell us, especially when we were reading these great works of literature, mm -hmm. don't read the introductions, don't read the prefaces. If you want, you can go back and read, read it them. after. I but, totally but agree. But just with that. dive in. Yeah. And interestingly, I've also applied that to things like family trees mm -hmm. because I think sometimes the story can take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Don't get so caught up in wait, who's this person? Who's this person? Who and instead let the story take right. you because the story really isn't always about who's related. Right. Um, and so that's sometimes my tip is just ignore the family tree. Right. I think, I think some readers find it really helpful, but I, I tend to skip them, yeah. but homegoing is certainly one that I think was on the more literary side of commercial, but definitely straddles yeah. that line. I think in that same vein, although a very, very different kind of story, but The Mother is by Britt Bennett too, yes. which we both loved, yeah. um, that I taught in my class before it even came out in paperback. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I made you all buy that hardcover. Yeah. Um, and I think it came out the last week of my semester. Like <laughs> Sorry, it came guys. out in December in paperback or something, and I was like, Mm, it's fine. They'll want to own it. Yeah, no, it was really good, and we had great discussions about it, and, and I think they mostly enjoyed it. Um, but I saw no, no, no critical praise. None, none that, that I one. remember. Right, um, and that's unfortunate. Do you think super unfortunate? Because it was a beautiful book. Do you think that's because it was a debut? Maybe, and I have a thing for debuts. I love debuts. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's those sophomore books that aren't as great. I often. I think the mothers again, like you said, kind of toes that line between commercial and literary. Yeah. But I cannot believe, again, it just, to me, the writing is so beautiful and it's covering such rich, it does such a good job of telling these really rich stories that I find it hard to believe it wouldn't have been nominated right. for something. For for anything. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe there are some of those smaller words that we just don't know about, but right. like these, these do deserve more attention. I think so. Yeah. Some maybe more commercial titles, I think, would be Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. Uh-huh. And uh, again, an author with lots and lots of books to her name. Yes. Um, but again, the level, the level of storytelling feels so high that I can't believe it, uh, that particular book by Ann Patchett comes to mind. I know some mm-hmm. people like her other works, but Commonwealth to me really stands out. Um, Celeste Ng, both Everything I Never Told You, which I almost think wouldn't make the award circuit because it kind of toes the line of thriller, suspense. Right. And I think if you look at these lists, no suspense novels really ever Never. make it. Um, but then Little Fires Everywhere you've got this these stories about adoption and family and um and coming of age and where you grow up and this deep sense of place and nothing like it and right. i i find that so interesting again those to me are more commercial titles right but deserving of critical of praise. all that kind of praise absolutely yeah. i think there is also something that happens in the award circuit where years later, mm-hmm. critics will recognize that they should have given the award to a different book. Mm-hmm. And then they will give the award to the author of that book for a book that maybe didn't deserve it. Yes, I think this happens in the Oscars as well. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Yeah. Um, the book that comes to mind here for me is The Goldfinch. Yes. Which won the Pulitzer, Pulitzer? in yeah. 2014, I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, myself included, believe this is a posthumous <laughs> win for The Secret History, yeah. which came out 20 years earlier. Which, did I tell you? So we got a customer in, ironically, this week, because our whole staff loves The Secret History. Yeah. Like, I literally think maybe all of us have read it. Mm-hmm. Um, we adore that book. I did not read The Goldfinch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Olivia did. Yeah, and Olivia says it's great. Yeah, but what was interesting is we had a customer this week who came in and for the first time I met someone who loved the goldfinch, didn't like a secret history. And that's that's wild to me. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. I was really surprised by that. That's really strange. Um, because I have also not read the goldfinch, but goldfinch, but I've talked about a lot of people. Olivia is the first person I've met with a totally glowing review of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends who have read it say like the first two thirds of it is great, mm-hmm. and then it just peters out into something else entirely that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I have not Which read that myself. happens a lot lately. One day we should talk about the disappearing editor. Mm. Because I just feel like... That's interesting. We're we're churning books out. And, oh, yeah. And I think some of them could use some more that's, <laughs> finessing. That's very interesting. And I'd like to bring a, a writer in on that. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can talk to CJ again. <laughs> um. You know, another book that was kind of weird, and I sometimes I think award-winning books mm-hmm. fall in this kind of yeah. weird category. Did you ever read, or from, are you familiar with Department of Speculation yeah. by Jenny? I, I didn't Buffel? read it, but I, I know about it. Okay, so it is a book that is utterly weird. Mm-hmm. Like, the setup is odd, the writing is um, very quirky, very mm-hmm. quirky storytelling. It's not traditional, mm-hmm. it's not traditionally linear. Mm-hmm. But I loved that book and it's brief and we, you and I have talked before about sometimes a brief book those short books are so good punch. they they have been edited yeah. well frequently mm-hmm. and so um Department of Speculation is one that I looked up like was this nominated for anything and it was one of those that made the New York Times like mm-hmm. top of the year top 10 of the year or something but it didn't get any real critical acclaim hmm. and that is funny to me because 
for some reason, the stereotype in my head, maybe again, it's kind of like Oscar. Right. Like sometimes the years were like a really genre film right. wins or like a really kind of heady, odd movie wins. That's yeah. kind of what I thought. Like surely Department of Speculation with how odd it is got the attention of critics. And I do think it might, was critically acclaimed, right. but not award winning. Yeah. So. Um, uh, others that I really love that I saw no press for the afterlives my favorite book of 2018 yeah nothing no it may I think it's another one that did um, the New York Times is like made mm -hmm. New York Times list but that's it and that's it it was so good um, another one that I was just thinking of too what was that little book that we read um, the post-apocalyptic one Oh, end we start from the end we start from. I cannot Beautiful. believe. Beautiful, so good, I and I've seen no one talk about it except you and me. Yeah. <laughs> we are champions for that book. <laughs> I I do not understand why that wouldn't have been up for a man Booker. I have no idea. Like, that's a oh gosh, that's such a good one. That's such a good one. Somebody on my Instagram, my friend Juliana, I think picked it up off the bookshelf sale cart, mm. which. For shame. Why? That should never have made it to the sale cart. But um, it came out in paperback recently, so we put the hardback on the, mm -hmm. the sale rack. And she read it, and she said like she hadn't stopped thinking about it. And it was yeah. outside genre for her. It's so good. But it's so good. And you're right. That, to me, that's like Department of Speculation. It's just weird enough where I feel like it should be mm -hmm. on some kind of long list. And it wasn't. Nope. Oh, that's disappointing. It really You made is. me re-mad. I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I Ugh. forgot about that. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Um, what about, can we talk about this, was it this year's Pulitzer winner? We've talked about it before. The, um, there was no Pulitzer for fiction this That's year. That's right. Was it last year? What one? Less. Less. Less was last year, yeah. You didn't like that one. I did, I did not finish it. Mm. And Was that in the very first episode of what Annie didn't finish? Maybe so. I think it might have been. I, guys, I just, I couldn't do it. And I... I'm reading a book right now, or I just finished a book that I was like, I wonder if this is what I should have thought about less, mm. but instead I'm thinking about it, about this very commercial book I just finished. But um, less, I couldn't get into. And there was some talk, people were really excited because mm -hmm. it was almost like a rom-com had, right. had won. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really about the writing world and just like Hollywood loves right. movies about itself. And book people love book books. Yeah. Book, book people books. love book books. And less in particular is about an author who's trying to win a war. Like mm -hmm. he's an mm -hmm. author who hasn't like made it to that upper mm -hmm. echelon yet. And so I wonder if the Pulitzer really liked that kind of microscopic That meta commentary. Yeah. 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 Of course they do. <laughs> They're narcissists. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, well. I mean, I think those are all great books. I do, too. I think I would love to see... You know, after Bob Dylan won... Mm -hmm. Did he win the Pulitzer? For literature, yeah. Okay. Oh, after, the Nobel, excuse the me. The Nobel. Yeah. I was about to say, after he won some award where we all were scratching our heads but also excited... Um, I'm like, that's cool, but also, huh? Yes. I've kind of thought we would see different genres and different... Right. ...writers... Wasn't Kendrick Lamar nominated for something or win something big? Oh, did he? I think so, but now I don't remember. You're asking the wrong girl. Yeah. Um. So I just thought we would move in maybe a direction where more commercially acceptable things mm -hmm. also were up for awards. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that that's been the case. I can't tell. Right. Um. And I again, I hesitate to use that line because everybody should try something like Florida. Yeah. Everybody should try something like The Great Believers. Florida's totally accessible. Yeah. And I think sometimes when these book win when these books win awards, 
some readers think, uh oh, not for me, not for me. And, and some readers think like, I will n read this now. Yes. And they didn't think about it beforehand. Yes. Interest. The world Very interesting. is interesting. It is. And I think there's a similar thing happening in, in bookstagram, right? Where like there's, there are a few books that everybody is talking about constantly. Yes. And then so many books that nobody ever talks yeah, about or remembers right. at all. And one of the things I love about our show <laughs> is that we're not beholden to that model. No. And we talk about stuff that we love that came out a year ago that nobody else is talking about. Yeah. Like the end we start from. Yeah. Or I think too, I mean, you and I maybe maybe me more so than you, have like dipped our toe into the bookstagram Oh, world. you have. I have not at all. But that's not really, that's not really my world. Right. My world is a bookseller right. and a store owner trying to... You are adjacent to bookstagram. That's right. I think yeah. that's true. Um, and so I, publishers don't send me books so that I post about them to Instagram. Right. They send you books so that you can sell them. That's right. In your store. So I feel a little <laughs> less pressure, yeah, I think, to sure. post an Instagram picture. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think probably bookstagrammers feel like, hey, I owe They this. have to do that press yeah. so that they can keep getting their free copies. Exactly. And I get that. I total, I get it too. And look, if this were if this were 10 years ago or five years ago, I might be doing the same thing. Yeah. I just wish more people understood that that's the business model. Yes. And that it's not that this book necessarily, I don't have one in mind, but yeah. that this book necessarily is the best book and that's why everybody loves it and is posting about it. Yeah. But because they're given free stuff in order to make this comment. I think that's why a few weeks ago on Reading Recap, mm -hmm. I wanted to be really clear. I genuinely loved Knox McCoy's book. Right. Because I think there's also practice, even outside of Bookstagram, For sure. where bloggers write books uh -huh. or, you know, and look, I don't blame them. They're supporting each other. Right. They're trying there, to help each other. And there's nothing other. wrong with that. No, they're trying to help each other sell books. That's not our job. That's not no. like, that's not the bookshelf job. Mm. That's not my job. That's not your job. And so when we say we like something, we genuinely it's like genuine. It. Like, we're, we're not getting a kickback from yeah. anybody. <laughs> that's right. There's no Amazon payback. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I, take that for what it's worth at least. Yeah. And take, take our word for it. All these books are great. Yeah. And read from award lists, but also read outside them. And don't be afraid to read backlist. Don't feel like you need to keep up with what everybody's posting about on the internet. Yeah. Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. And thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclu exclusive bonus content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show, with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a very funny thing happened. I would like to state that my superpower mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't know. Okay. But that is that most of the people who work at this establishment mm -hmm. are scared of bugs mm -hmm. and or animals. Okay. Not I'm, cute animals. I'm scared of frogs. Okay, so is Ashley. 
so is Olivia. So the other day, mm-hmm. Ashley had left for the day. I got a call at the bookshelf. Uh, the bookshelf is, I think Olivia answered all. This is Olivia. And then Olivia looked at me. Ashley has a frog at her car and you need to go take care of it because I cannot. <laughs> and so I walked out. Look, and I'm not going to touch the frog. Like, no. I'm not like that. Like, I had, no. a, I had a friend in elementary school who, like, I was a tomboy. She was, like, super tomboy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, she, like, touched yeah, I frogs. Do I, do, I can't do that. But I went and I moved the frog that was at Ashley's door. And when you know it, when I did it, he jumped back in, which was nope. bizarre. Ashley jumped very far. And I removed the, I removed the frog. And I thought to myself, I really am Rosie the Riveter. <laughs> We can do it. I can do it. When we went to go to Perry to go to McDonald's, <laughs> yes, um, an hour away after the hurricane, um, I opened my trunk to put my bag in, and a frog was in my trunk. Oh boy! And I got it out with a piece of paper. Yep. That was in my trunk. Yep. And I felt very masculine. Yeah, you lived to tell the tale. I did. Good job. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>